Hello and welcome to Science Unscripted. It's Gabe here. No Connor. He left us. He's gone. Until uh, mid-January. He's coming back. He's doing Christmas <laughs> with his family in the States. So you're going to have to bear with me. Good luck with that. We're going to start with some emails. I, I just love you guys. <laughs> Three different emails with regard to the cat study was on, on the diet of free-ranging domestic cats. And here we go. We love our cat. She is a rescue beauty. When we adopted her, the shelter made us sign a pledge to, one, never have her declawed, and two, keep her as an indoor cat. Free-ranging cats, sweet as they may seem, are instinctive predators. Our kitties, prey, are squishy foam balls, string toys, and unfortunately, my toothbrush. Love your show. That, that is exactly in line with the study or the conclusion of the study because the, the sheer number of species that domestic cats take down across our world is over 2,000. So, yeah, they're deadly. The next two have brought up a very important point that we did, definitely did not stress enough. It's that I think I believe I said that cats are the deadliest of all creatures on Earth. Not true. Human beings are. Here's the first email. Are you sure it's cats that are the number one killer? Or is it humans? And then this person mentions intensive monoculture farming, high-rise glass-covered buildings, and wind turbines as three different ways that we are killing more birds than cats. Our way of living has forced birds into such a small area, it's no wonder they fall prey to cats. And a last email here. I'm a guy, and I have and like cats. They are, however, highly skilled predators, as are all mammals with forward-facing eyes, and they are indeed responsible for preying on endangered species and causing others to go extinct. My own cats kill things all the time and don't eat them. I feed them, so I know they're not hungry. They're just doing it because it's their nature. That said, the activities of human beings are the cause of most species being on the endangered list in the first place or going extinct altogether. I think doing the math would probably show that human activities far outpace the pressures being placed on other species by cats. Happy holidays, guys. And th again, thank you guys for your emails. They are one of the main reasons why the show keeps going. And I, I just implore, I beg for more responses from you guys. The more we get, the better. And now, a little bit of news. And with it being Christmas, uh, this first bit of news, science news here, was about, uh, yeah, religion. Religious people might be more likely to take risks when thinking about God. A study conducted at York University in Toronto, Canada, and published this week in the Journal of Experimental Social Psychology, confirms that those who believe that God is a benevolent protector will feel more confident in pursuing potentially dangerous or uncertain activities because of a perceived safety net. The researchers focused on scenarios involving recreational risks like mountain climbing and social and career-based risks like moving to a new place to pursue a new job. Using surveys of over 600 Christians, the researchers found that when being reminded of God's benevolence, participants focused less on the potentially negative consequences of their behavior. They were also more willing to take a risk on the day they filled out the survey, but also in the days following. 
The researchers stress the findings can't tell us whether religious people are more likely to pursue risks than non-religious ones, but that this study does establish a link between belief in God and a sense of ontological safety. Now we got some news from Canada, and I know we have a bunch of listeners there tuning in on the CBC at an ungodly time on Sunday morning, and if you're doing it on this particular Sunday morning, then wow, it's it's a Merry Christmas to you at, at four in the morning or whenever this goes out. Almost a quarter of all carbon emissions from wildfires came from Canada this year, according to Copernicus, the European Union satellite-based environment observation program. The data shows wildfires emitted almost 480 megatons of carbon this year in Canada, almost five times the average over the past 20 years. Compared to the wildfires recorded all over the globe, Canada was responsible for 23% of all emissions. The scale and persistence of wildfires across Canada, quote, was at a level that has never been seen in the 21 years Copernicus has been gathering data as part of its global fire assimilation system data set. The Copernicus system produces daily estimates of emissions from wildfires and biomass burning using fire radiation power observations from satellite-based sensors. All right, now we can uh, listen to Connor and me playing at a, a, a Christmas concert. We, the two of us, we had a, a, a Christmas song sing-along in the town where he's from, St. Augustine here in Germany, and this is us playing uh, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, as I believe the name of the song, but it's the one that goes, you know, glow. <laughs> And we are joined now by Rachel Stewart. Hello, Rachel. Hi. You have a new podcast here at DW. Uh, you were a longtime host of the, the TV format Meet the Germans, which, which was wildly successful here. <laughs> Probably one of the most successful things the Deutsche Welle ever produced. It did do quite well. And now you've jumped into the world of podcasting with a, a format called Don't Drink the Milk. Mm-hmm. And you have recently looked at a science topic or a scientific topic? Yeah, exactly. We've actually done a couple. So we did um, one topic that was about milk, just as a play on our name, basically, and lactose intolerance. Mm -hmm. uh, and this time we've got a kind of medical science topic, homeopathy. Right. Homeopathy. Mm. Here in Germany, there, it's, there's a very good reason why you attack this story here in Germany, because it started here? Exactly, which I didn't realize at the beginning. Yeah. Um, but it was just something that it was a topic I've always been interested in since I moved here. Yeah. Because for me, homeopathy was a word that I was aware of. But I just thought it meant alternative medicine in general. I didn't know exactly what it was. Hmm. Um, and I hadn't really been confronted with it very often. Because in the UK, where I'm from, it's quite separate. So some people might use homeopathy or other forms of alternative medicine, but it doesn't get mixed in with other types of medicine very often. And it is quite common here? 
Yeah, very. Because common. my my wife and, and and she definitely uses it. And whenever my mm. our, our children, um, let's say. stub their toe or <laughs> bump into the table because I've got some little ones running around the kitchen. They, my, she gets out these little tiny balls. They're called <laughs> Kugelchen in German. Little balls. Yeah. Little balls. <laughs> and gives, they're like little tiny cookie sprinkles. They're super cute. Give, and, and she gives them to them in order to make the pain go away. Yep. What? <laughs> But we should what, talk what, about what they are. What, what is in the balls? <laughs> Nothing. It is um, scientifically... It is just sugar. Um, homeopathy can come in slightly different forms, so it could also be in a water solution, which would be either uh, distilled water-based or alcohol-based. Yeah. Um, but the little balls that you usually get here are basically lactose, so just sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, they originally, at some point during the production process, will have had some kind of what they call the active ingredient involved. Mm. But that, as part of the process of what homeopathy is, that original ingredient would have been diluted so many times that there is very, very unlikely to be a single molecule left of that original ingredient by the time it gets into your tiny little sugar balls. And the sugar balls, you, you can only buy them at, 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 at a pharmacy, right? Yeah. You can't buy... They, they are given legitimacy or exactly. by the German state. You cannot buy them. It's, it's, it's as if it's a drug, even though it's not a drug at all. Exactly. That's kind of... That's part of the... A big part of the argument against them is the legitimacy that is lended to it by the fact that, first of all, it's, it's offered only in pharmacies, mm-hmm. a bit like um, things like aspirin that you can't get in the supermarket here. Right. Of course, yeah. Um, but also that it's covered by public health insurance schemes is also seen as very problematic. So it's being debated now in 2023. We're sitting mm-hmm. here in the studio talking about it, but it goes back hundreds and hundreds of years into German history. Where, where did homeopathy... Uh, come from it's it's an actual it's a German thing. It is. It's a German invention. So we're talking back in um, Saxony, I believe it was. Yeah, in, in, in Leipzig was where Samuel Hahnemann, who was the inventor, Samuel Hahnemann, Samuel Hahnemann, genau. Okay, exactly. He was born in Meissen, which is a, a city we know these days. As where they make porcelain? Exactly. Yeah, yes, the course. very fancy porcelain, but it's mm-hmm. also famous for being the birthplace of Hahnemann. Um, okay. And then he moved around a bit, ended up in Leipzig. Um, and that's where he invented or discovered, however you want to say it, uh, this alternative form of medicine. That was the late 1700s. And he, it, it, with a specific formula, or what, what exactly did he come up with? Basically, he uh, was reading about, he was translating this book where it was being described how they used this particular Peruvian bark to treat malaria. Okay. And it had something in it called quinine. I think Americans say quinine. Quinine, yeah, <laughs> all right. Um, And he realized, he started ingesting this Peruvian bark himself and realized that he was developing symptoms that were similar to symptoms of malaria. Mm. He was healthy, but he was developing similar symptoms. And that, for him, was enough to say, okay, here's my theory called like cures like. So if you have um, something that, that something creates symptoms in a healthy person that are similar to the symptoms experienced by a sick person, that means that this substance could actually cure The sick, per- sick person. And, and now here we are today again. This is still around. Yeah. Wh- how in a, in a country uh, with a reputation for being a, a bastion of, I don't know, logic and, and, um, and cutting edge technology around the world, export nation, we still have this practice of homeopathy. How, yeah. did, that, how did that happen? Very fascinating. That's kind of the question we started off with because yeah. it just seemed... 
yeah, really quite bizarre to an outsider, to be honest. Yeah. Um, not just the fact that it's still so popular here, but it has also spread, spread. around the world. Right, so right, it's, right. it's pretty popular in a lot of different countries. Um, we looked into where, and we decided to focus on Germany, homeopathy's homeland, India, where it's massive, and the USA, where it has, since the 70s, regained popularity. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, you know, we're asking ourselves, these countries are so different. They've got completely different medical systems and cultures and traditions. So why on earth would something like this be popular in all of those different places? Yeah, what's the basis? Yeah, I mean, there's various different answers. And I think coming back to Germany, first of all, and your point of how it's seen as a very logical nation and you might not necessarily expect something like this, mm-hmm. there's definitely another another side to this country and to the people here that, sure. that is a lot based on, on ideas of faith. Um, the spirit, nature, at least. I mean, if, it's not, if it's not the faith, because I, I believe religious faith is dwindling the numbers. It's dwindling, but it's still there. But it's still there. <laughs> Absolutely. And this spiritualism, which often is linked to, to nature. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I oh, the Germans, they're, they're known for hiking, right? The, right. <laughs> they love being outdoors. And yeah. I think this concept of something that's seen as a natural remedy is extremely popular, partially for that reason. As, a, as opposed to using the drugs produced in the industrial... Yeah, which also might be... Chemical factories and Leverkusen and who knows. Absolutely. I mean, pharmaceutical, the pharmaceutical industry is huge here, but it's interesting that a lot of Germans are very sceptical, or at least they would love to avoid pharmaceutical drugs whenever Mm. possible. Yeah, I mean, I guess it, it's not hurting anyone, even though it there there cannot be any scientific basis for it working, right? Well, this is part of the have, big have question. Have tests been done? There have been many tests done. Over time, there have been some studies that claim to show that homeopathy does work and some that claim to show that it doesn't. Uh, scientists will tell and, and you... It, it, and the studies that show that show that it does work are based on a placebo effect, right? Because... There's nothing active. There's no ingredient. Exactly. So scientists will tell you that this is the placebo effect that's yeah. being shown. Sometimes they will also pick holes in the studies themselves and say, well, they're funded by um, a homeopathic institution, for example. You can't necessarily trust that. Um, or they will argue that one single study on its own is not enough to prove it. So you need to have a look at a set of studies. Mm. There have been some very big studies of studies that have been done. Meta-analysis. Exactly, meta-analysis. And the biggest ones, the ones that scientists will point you to, do show that it does not work beyond the placebo effect, Mm -hmm. which in itself is super interesting. Can we harness the placebo effect? Is it something that we could do for good and maybe uh, bring into traditional medicine somehow? Yeah, I would just, just as long as it's not... There's no deleterious effect. It's not hurting anyone. Of course, I guess you can waste your money on these kugelchen, uh, but that's not. It, it's not harmful. It's not harmful. So therefore, it's probably going to persist. It's not harmful for, directly, but yeah. um, people will also point out that one harmful effect that it could have is if you delay or avoid actual treatment Got because it. you think that you are treating yourself with these little balls. Yeah. Um, it's not necessarily going to give you any side effects, but it will. It could mean that you delay proper treatment, which could have serious effects. Plus, when we moved over to India with the story, we saw that actually there's a whole different part of the debate, which is if there's not enough oversight over how these things are being made, you cannot guarantee that there will be no side effects. Hmm. All right, Rachel, that is really important and interesting information on homeopathy if people would like to listen to your deep dive you did a a long report on this where can they find it yes well if you type in don't drink the milk anywhere that you listen to podcasts we are the only podcast with that name strangely enough so (laughs) and you can also catch us on the dw podcast youtube channel Mm -hmm. 
Uh, we've got five very great episodes there already and more coming in the new year. All right, you heard it here. So please check that out, people. And in the meantime, uh, we are going to listen to Shane McGowan. Great. The late Shane McGowan. Do you know the Pogues at all? Just Yes, of course. Yeah. I was just listening to them I, yesterday. <laughs> I just found this guy. Right, look, here, let's just, let's just play it. It was Christmas Eve, babe In the drunk tank An old man said to me Won't see another one And then I sang a song The rare old mountain dew I turned my face away Dreamed about you God, I'm the lucky one Came in like ten to one I've got a feeling This year's for me and you So happy Christmas I love you, baby I can see a better time When all our dreams come true Yeah, so this song, Fairy Tale of New York, as I believe the, the name of it, was, was a Pogue song. And Shane McGowan, the late Shane McGowan, died at the end of November. I didn't know who he was until, until after he died. And like I said, Connor and I were, were doing this Christmas concert, and then from, from the crowd, someone yelled out, play the Pogues, play the Pogues. And I was what? Because I I, the Pogues, in my mind, is a, like a punk band, an Irish punk band, and that's kind of what they were, but they also wrote a killer Christmas song, Fairy Tale of New York, and uh, yeah, through... It's so weird. After, after someone dies, then you find out their work and how truly amazing that was. Okay, so the, the end of the show here um, is it's, it's about a 10-minute segment. We recorded it about five years ago, Connor and I. This is the true physics message of Christmas is, is, how we, uh, is what we called it. And it, um, it starts out with an interview with my, at that point, six-year-old daughter, Ava. And this gets me every time when I hear this. She's now 11 in sixth grade, and she's all worried about her grades on her tests, and she's growing up so fast. And then I listened back to this when she was six, and it, and like I said, Dad, it gets me. How does Santa do it? He, he has magic. He has something, maybe he can go really fast with the um, rain tears. They can go really fast on every house, ping, and he goes so fast to trim me down. I think he has magic. What is magic? Um, he, 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 um, he goes to every house really fast. He said, now Santa goes really fast, and then he goes to every house really fast. Like, how fast does he have to go? Maybe, like, he goes chick, and then he's done. Just like a snap of his fingers. 
So now I think now. Done. Done. Five hundred million houses done. 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 So he just snaps his fingers on that. Yeah. Done. 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 All right. Done. 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 You go to bed. I'm going to bed. That's how I feel these days. I'm going to bed. Yes, I get to sleep for six hours, and then you spent four of it staring at the ceiling in in anxiety. Where did she get the idea of the snaps? She just she well she started like like playing with her fingers and she's you know you you know what he just he just it's done. I just wish there were a way to know, you know how it actually happened. Whether it really was whether whether there's magic involved, or whether there could be a way.、Um, Have I told you about the text I got this week? No. I mean, you don't usually tell me about text messages you get. It's it's a little weird. You got you got it this it's, week. It's it's really it's actually kind of weird. There was an audio message in it. Wrong number. And I, I clicked like I clicked on it. You want to hear it? If it's if it's playable on the radio and it doesn't no no yeah no no it's not yeah it's not explicit it's just really creepy. Let's let's go ahead and hear it. Hello, I have some important information. I call myself Snowball Sixty Eight here. Meet me at the physics department of Bonn University on Tuesday. I am an elf, and I have defected from the North Pole. Gabe. This is a waste of our time. It, this is going nowhere. You really think that? So what do I do? Just leave it? it? Are are elves he real? He said he has something really important to tell us. He said he's an elf. Are、uh, how do you know what? Well, this is a science show. I thought、uh, I don't. I don't know any paleontologists who've come across elf Bones. I don't know any. I don't know any. There has been no documented sighting of an elf. Maybe you need to open up your mind.、Um, this could be something. This could put us on the on the map. If he's got something really important to leak to us, this would be a huge exclusive. Let's go. Let's at least go see if he's what he's. If, okay, if it's fake, he won't be there. Okay. If it's fake, you're buying me lunch. P- P- pizza. Pizza? Yeah. All right, let's go. Is this it? Bonn Physikalisches Institut. Okay. Snowball sixty-eight. Who are you? I am an elf from the North Pole, and 
since I can remember, I felt somewhat different from the other elves. While they were making snowballs and while they were making presents and everything, I like to read physics books. I like to build particle detectors from Lego. And yeah, I had the impression that I'm somewhat different from that. Snowball 68, why did you contact us? Why did you send me that message? I am annoyed by the fact that people believe in all that magic, that they believe Santa is delivering his um, presence just by magic. In fact, it is only physics that makes him deliver all those presents. I thought physics would be a way to, to disprove that he can do it. Physics would explain that it's impossible to deliver presents to 500 million houses in 24 hours. And that's where you're wrong. Hold on a sec. Snowball68, you are alleging that Santa's myth of magic is a lie. That's right. It's only uh, that he has to go very fast. And that's simple physics. Let's talk about the simple physics. How, how is Santa Claus doing this? Assuming he has to go to 500 million houses in 24 hours time, that means he only has to go to 5,800 houses per second. Now you say only, but 5,800 houses per second, that's a lot of houses per second. Yes, that's very fast indeed. Understanding the laws of nature does not make nature less beautiful. It only adds beauty. And from this point of view, I could also argue that since it's physics, that means it's true. And you can also call it magic if you want to, but that does not spoil it, I think, if I can therefore even prove that it works. Snowball, thank you for contacting us. Thank you for taking the risk, uh, risking your own anonymity, and for trying to spread the true physics message of Christmas. Merry Christmas, Snowball. Merry Christmas to you. Gabe, you and I are back in the studio. Wow. Should we even... Should we even broadcast that material? I mean, this puts him in enormous danger. He's in hiding. Santa, Santa is clearly after him. Santa, well, if he, if he wasn't already, he will go after him. He will want this information silenced. He's going to know that he's in that bond. <sighs> Although, Moni? Uh, no, he, he definitely... But, but, but why I mean, did he contact us? He, he contacted us, and he, he wanted this information to be known. He wanted the science to come out. He wants the physics to be he understood. Wants to, he wants to pull up the curtain. No more magic. On the magic. Wow. That's a, there's a lot of stuff there, Connor. Do you, uh, you got your piano? Do you have your guitar? I can go get my piano. Let's, let's do it. Late in December when the snow begins to fall In the northern hemisphere There's an elf pouring over physics books In an empty uni 
Six micrograms of presence in a sleigh that weighs three tons. How do you do it? A mother and father elf. They're thinking about their son. Yeah, the North Pole. You don't need magic. You don't need myths and lies. You need an elf who's gonna take on a test this great. You need. Snowball 68. Understanding the laws of nature does not make nature less beautiful. It only adds beauty. Since it's physics, it's true. You can also call it magic if you want to, but that does not uh, spoil it. I think if I can, therefore even prove. That it works. You don't need magic. You don't need myths and lies. You need an elf who's gonna take on a test this great. You need Snowball 68. Okay. If there's anyone still listening at this point, I I hope you're doing all right. And.、Um, Let us know where where you are, who you are, why you're listening, what what you like about the show, what what we should keep doing or what we should stop doing. Anything you have to say, let us know at su at dw dot com, and Merry Christmas. Science unscripted.